0: This is the DNA of the most dangerous creature in the universe.
1: Does it have a name? Hello there. I'm called the Doctor.
0: Hello and welcome back Beyond the Sofa. I'm Dave. And I'm Peter. And you're most very welcome. Here we are looking at the last three episodes of season 11 of Doctor Who. And the last
1: episodes of 2018.
0: Yes, they are The Witchfinders, It Takes You Away... And the Battle of Rancor of Kolos, or as I prefer to call it, the Battle of Vows and Constinance,
1: <laughs> An overly elaborate name. Mm. Of we will travel.
0: And some news. Yes, we've got the trailers up for the New Year's episode, which I think we'll deal with at the end. Mm-hmm. And no who otherwise in 2019, apparently. Yes. We'll cover those items it's at the end, so you can hear the stuff that may not be spoilerific. Before anything, that might be spoilerific, although I should note, not really, we don't know nothing. Mm. Speaking of living in ignorance, Peter.
1: <laughs> not knowing nothing.
0: The Jacobean Age in Doctor Who and the Witchfinders. Yeah. Written by Joy Wilkinson, directed by Sally Abraham. Yeah. I think that's how it's pronounced, I do apologise if not. Also known as Mad Mad Glorious Mad.
1: I'm the Morax, I speak for the trees. So, yeah, Sally Epperman previously directed Arachnids in the UK. I thought this time around, much nicer looking production. Mm, definitely. Very atmospheric. Looked cold. Mm. And some lovely outdoor shooting, which is a bit of a luxury, I guess.
0: I have to admit, at the time, this was my favourite of the season to date. Really? I really enjoyed this one. Uh, until I spoke to some fool on the internet who pointed out some thoughts to me. But <laughs> there you go. <laughs> My hand is not up. (laughs) I did enjoy it. I thought the guest cast were really good. As you said, it looked absolutely glorious. It was a nice rompy adventure.
1: It was certainly a romp, and probably the purest of the old-school pseudo-historicals, in that we have a heroic, in some sense, historical figure. We have a historical setting with some alien or time-traveling shenanigans thrown in. To a different extent than, say, Rosa. Yes. There was the opportunity here to, despite the subject matter, just have a bit more fun with it. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that's the spirit in which it should really be taken.
0: I think so, and as we tend to do when we review things, you can pick it all to bits, but mm. I thought Tilly Steele was very good. Mistress Savage, oh, well, what a giveaway name. A yeah. <laughs> is very, Also very good, maybe, possibly a bit too plummy once you realise she's the villain, but it's mm. pl- tr- that nice line between erratic crackpot and almost believably debout. But I think the show really belongs to Alan coming camping it up like a jamboree,
1: yeah, a I, I, I really bold, interesting portrayal of, of James I. Such a significant figure in, in not just English history, but the history of the modern story, you know, patron mm. to, to Shakespeare, you know, the, uh, the creator of the modern English Bible. Yeah, his, his, his shadow casts long. And here he is vamping around the the English countryside, literally vamping with that mask.
0: I did love oh so your ecto's gag. <laughs> that was suitably funny. But also there was there was a nice little confrontation with the doctor. It did seem to be suitably deep and there's suitable nuance there for Cummings and Whittaker to sort of test their acting chops a bit against each other. Hmm. The, the wheels only really fell off for me when the aliens showed up
1: yeah it's almost like sort of you know you reach this necessary point, and at that point so often you know a story begins to turn and and we'll see this in an, in an upcoming episode as well mm. that the the reveal is also the heel of the sock as it were mm. to i'm I'm borrowing one of your metaphors, Dave
0: well, I stole it from Terry Pratchett, but yeah <laughs> okay fair enough.
1: you're going to steal steal from the best, yeah um, you know, they get to sort of knit everything together properly. it unravels in an ungodly heap
0: it turns into a scarf (laughs) yes (laughs) yes well it was you you were the person i was talking to on the internet who said uh, oh dear (laughs) no no the comment you made was about shortly after the aliens turned out and that's where the mansplaining starts yeah
1: that was my main issue with this episode was i counted and i wasn't looking i swear i wasn't looking three instances where just everything stopped while the doctor explained what was going on. Or in this case, uh, the Morax explained who they were, what they were doing there, what they wanted, and what they were going to do if they weren't stopped. And it was just sort of, really, we can't work this out for ourselves? you think this is necessary? So.
0: It does seem to be a very, and you know, I, I mean this as nicely as possible, it's going to sound awful, but it, it's at a very simplified way of storytelling this season of doctor who it has been not dumbed down but bare boned a bit i think we've discussed fair. it before and yeah. and p- part of that is you do have info dumps mm. and sometimes they work and sometimes they just stick out like sore thumbs and the note i wrote is the doctor is mansplaining and i don't know how to tell her she's wrong
1: <laughs> yeah i i got nothing but i would agree that this year being the reboot of the series, a simpler story, a more straightforward story is required as well. Certainly, you know, the latter days, even the days of the Moffat era, it took no prisoners, you know, and, and it had very little patience for the for the casual viewer.
0: Mm. Put a pin in that, and we'll, we'll come back to that later, because I think we'll, we'll talk about the wider aspects of the season once we've looked at all the episodes, perhaps. <laughs> but um, no, I, I thought the zombies were really cool. Wasn't that impressed with the aliens? I felt the budget was cutting a bit. It was quite fun. There was no horses. And we'll, no. we'll explain that away in a suitably, suitable way. And and for 36 dead, there are only five zombies.
1: got a note here that says, Is it me or are the casts smaller this year?
0: It seems a bit cramped. Well, not cramped, but lots of running about you don't see between the village forest and manor sets. Mm. And the, the time is a bit funny. Just, this is something I always witter on about. But at one point they're saying, we have to get to the village before dark. And... 20 minutes later, you're still into the story with the Doctor are about to be dunked. It's sort of something not quite gelling with how it all gets put together, but mm. that may just be me. No, I mean,
1: there's something to be said for for good script editing. <laughs> and, mm. and, and there are plenty of opportunities for things like that to just easily have a pencil run through them. Mm. And I would say the same okay. about the expository dialogue. You know, there are opportunities to do this in a better way than having mm. your principal on screen explaining it all
0: or explaining it all in five minute bursts over a 15 minute period yeah yeah the switch went and all of a sudden ah now we hit the explainium part Mm -hmm. but it's not the only story in this run of three to do that this will probably be the biggest cast of the stories we're going to look at though i would have thought well
1: probably of speaking roles at least mm-hmm. um and in terms of speaking roles i'd probably shout out a little bit to um siobhan Vinterin, mm-hmm. who was a uh, pecker savage as well i could only ever see her as the villainous as you know, brian in um downton Abbey. so uh-huh.
0: uh, i don't watch downton so there you
1: go well you clearly don't watch downston because it's the first of the downton returners for this three stories.
0: Uh, Okay, fair enough. Mm. Uh, uh, Speaking of cast and cast we should see, Mm -hmm. you did ask me last episode, did I think that we were top heavy one cast member? And at the time I didn't think it, but through this story and the following stories, I tend to think you're probably right. Because there's enough for everyone to do, but not enough for anyone to have a meaty chunk of it. Everyone's doing things and it's all great. Mm. But you ask me who I think I'd lose and it's probably early to say it, but after watching these three stories, I'd say it's Graham. Because he's just too damn good. He is a threat
1: <laughs> to the central character because he's just so good. And even his part here in The you it being himself a little bit of an info dump, his info dump is a lot more organic. You know, he knows mm. Pendle Hill because he did a walking tour. That's mm. perfect. That's all you need to know. And, and you've, you've got an element of the man, and you've got an element of a bit of local knowledge, which you could easily arrive at, of a man mm. of his age having some time to do a little bit of sort of amateur historical indulgence.
0: He probably drove the two of us.
1: It was probably a busman's holiday. Yeah, mm. well, you know, could have been one of those speaking drivers but that worked i, I yeah. did make a wee sort of note of you know yes does a wee bit of sort of police
0: work but yeah.
1: she doesn't really seem to get very much past the trainee police officer
0: well she does uh, well actually maybe we should just recut this into the end of the episode and talk about them later on i did love ryan specifically this episode uh, dealing with being the Nubian prince i thought oh that yeah was.
1: that was rather cool actually it was sort of thanks but no thanks very
0: organically <laughs> done
1: yeah it's not you it's me and the aliens... Yeah. Hmm. We were rather surprised. Uh, apparently, the, the faces of the aliens was actually a CG effect, but we'd been watching quite a bit of face-off at home because the last series is playing on three, I think, on the weekends. And uh, we watched this, uh, you know, over a Saturday night, and uh, uh, the missus and I turned to one another and said, oh, okay, so they've been slipping the condoms under the mask to sort of, you know, inflate oh, right. things. <laughs> but no, it wasn't a practical effect, which sort of has me scratching my head a little bit, actually, because... So easily done.
0: Well, it may be they did it and thought it needed a bit of zhuzhing up and post.
1: Mm, I would beg to differ because the tentacles were not a great look.
0: Mm, yes. And a shout out to Arthur C. Clarke, which is always fun.
1: Well, that was nice, and a shout out to Quentin Tarantino,
0: of course. Mm, true. Well, not and not the first, first sort of cinematic. Sort of... <laughs> <laughs> Graham's cinematic uh, tendencies. Uh, again, Graham had all the best quips, I think, in the episode with the, the flat team structure and the Holly, not Holly tree and the, the Tarantino line. And you're sitting there going, really? The doctor should have some of these.
1: Mm. I think he had um, able competition in Ellen coming. Um, oh, yes. You know, he was eating an awful lot of ham mm-hmm. in this episode, but completely enjoying. I did actually wonder sort of reading some remarks in advance on, on the likes of Twitter. Am I going to enjoy this episode? But I did, you know. Mm. As was, I didn't mind her being as arch as a London Underground station in it, because um, it seemed to sort of balance out the seriousness with which this the the episode was taking itself, mm. possibly unduly. I think maybe you know the ROP was maybe the right way to take it.
0: Yes. Well, there were there were sort of info bombs of of seriousness, like why did they invent the ducking stall and stuff like that, which were Sort of dropped it there. It's probably the first episode I can think of where they really address the issue of the doctor's gender in terms of this is making my life difficult.
1: Mm. Funny that it would take that long, but it does, you know. Mm. And it was a bit of a sort of a a moment of sort of having to, you know, self-analyze because I'm thinking that you know our generation would have grown up with stories of witch dunking and all that kind of stuff Mm. through the stories we were reading as kids, Mm. but the, the newer fans and certainly junior. This is completely new. And he had to sort of say, well, what's going on here? And we'd say, well, you know, there's this idea of trial by ordeal and all this kind of stuff. And it was, yes, it was horrible. And yeah, the odds are stacked against you. But even more, even more so, Houdini's shout-out. Yes. So um, talking to my, my workmate, the new Who fan, who I've referred to a couple of times, she said, oh, and there was mention of this Houdini. And I said, yes. And she said, ah, oh, so is he another time lord? And I said, No, I think it's Harry Houdini. And she said, Oh, okay. And I said, the doctor's met him before he's brought him up a few times, you know, at least as far back as uh, as John Perwe. So do you think he might be in the finale? Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, so I wonder who he is. And I said, So you really don't know who Harry Houdini is? <laughs> no. Who is he? And I said, He's a real person <laughs> and then we're just to talk about, you know, he he's one of the greatest escapologists in history. It's just bizarre. Blew my mind, but there we are. The present is a different country as well, Dave.
0: Yeah, you make an interesting point because I hadn't thought about it. But yeah, the cultural shorthand of what we would have—it's Grown up with, like yeah. watching Catweasel and things where dunking witches were common. You know, now people watch Pokemon. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thought. I'd, I'd be intrigued to see what other new fans and new watchers think of it because things we take for granted. Yeah. And here we are, we're saying, well, this is a show where we're thinking it's a simplified story, when in fact it's a lot, whole lot of new concepts that people don't have the cultural touchstones for. I hadn't thought of that before. That's actually quite a good point.
1: Well, it works the other way, of course. I'm desperately trying to find out what the music was that Ryan is playing in Erechnids in the UK, and it's uh, completely lost on me, and it was lost on me at the time. Mm. I think it was afterwards, uh, I thought, oh. Oh, so that's who it was, yes. I I remember he appears in one of Junior's books, uh, Stories of Adventurous Boys or something like that. Oh, embarrassing dad moment. There we are. Uh,
0: (laughs) Oh, Speaking of embarrassing dads, Mm. it takes you away. No, it doesn't. Uh, Story by Ed Heim, directed by Jamie Charles. Yes. uh, Also known as Froggy He Went Courting. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Sorry. Small green elephant in Mm -hmm. the room. This, I thought, when I first watched it, up to a point, I was thinking, this is the best story of the season so far.
1: It was really interesting in the way it was put together, and very effective in atmosphere. I'd say in the first three quarters, almost. But again, the missus said specifically after the big reveal at the end, it had me, and then it lost me. Yeah. And uh, we we agreed on where (laughs) it lost it. She liked the setup. She thought Ribbons was appropriately creepy and Mm -hmm. mysterious, and I think... I've seen it said that, you know, someone actually considered Ribbons the best villain of this year, Um, certainly the most sinister. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed it going in. On paper, yeah. you write the story down, it's very, very simple. Yes. Man discovers portal through which uh, he thinks his late wife lives, hides it from his daughter, and then you get the sort of the twin complications of what a badass way of covering things up. Yes. But the interesting way in which the story is. And it's a detective story for the first half, which I really appreciated.
0: One of the things I found interesting was it's just a line. Hannah looks towards her father or turns towards her father and goes, Dad, you're not well. You've not been well Mm. for a long time. And I was sitting there going, that would be a really good way to, you know, that's a factor that would wrap it all up and make it a lot more believable. Because, Mm. as you say, it's a completely badass thing to do. He did it in a day. Where did he get all the wood from?
1: Oh, he's in a forest.
0: <laughs> but but the, the extra locks for the doors and stuff. And yeah. There's something about it that doesn't quite gel. And there was a way there to just have a backstory that would have made the father look a lot less like a madman, for want of a better expression. Mm. But, I mean, as, an ep- as episodes go, as with the whole season, it looked absolutely gorgeous. There were the mm. lovely shots in the boarded up house with light and shadow. It was all... Lovely. The, the, the young actress for Hannah, whose name I didn't write down, I do apologize. She was really good at conveying the terror of the situation. And like you, I was right there up until a point, and that point for me was when someone had told me, hey, just watch how the doctor explains stuff, mm-hmm. and Granny appeared.
1: Mm. Grace.
0: No, no, not Grace. The the doctor talking about her seven grannies and Granny five.
1: Oh God I oh, oh, yeah.
0: I've got nothing against granny five, <laughs> but it was it that was the start of this this and again, you don't time it but you're sitting there going there's a five minute or so info dump mm. and all of a sudden the soul attract it attracts souls mm-hmm. they didn't spell it out, but talk about spelling out a name.
1: It's almost like the Lloyd Hagel. yep, yep,
0: yeah, <laughs> and you're sort of sitting there going oh god that's where the wheels fall off for me mmm. Because it all became an explanation of what you were seeing. And, okay, there's points where you have to explain things when you're getting into wider metaphysical issues. Mm. But as you've said in the past, you know the, the best thing with writing is to show, don't tell.
1: I think this is actually a case where it wouldn't have mattered if it was still a mystery. One of my favourite stories, the 60s stories, is The Rescue. Mm. And I like the fact that it's it's a ghost story, ostensibly, that the, uh, Dodonians, they're the story behind it all and what, uh, what Bennett, or oh, spoilers, spoilers, but what Bennett does to them. But I think that it's always undermined by one thing. And that's that at the end, you see that there are Dodonians and there's a true story behind it. Mm. Whereas it, what it might have been even, even better if we never really knew whether Bennett was cracked or not. Mm. Maybe he was just an, an absolute nutter and, and flipped. Did I need to know that much about the Solar Tract? Did I need to know that much about the solar track before I, or the doctor, encountered it? Mm. No, no. And did it need to be a, a, a bad CG frog? No, actually, a real frog would have been fine.
0: But It was a practical frog, I'm pretty sure. Uh
1: It didn't seem very practical to me.
0: What? a an impractical frog. <laughs> yeah.
1: The sinking was, oh, the sinking was terrible.
0: Yeah. But, but again, why bother sinking if it's a, a, a creature of... Mm soul or energy it could, could could have just kept its mouth shut but you could have really pissed off peter capaldi and had susan cameo as the person he most wanted to see or someone like that i was pining for my caroline Fiords.
1: <laughs> oh well done see i don't even think it needed to be someone who was significant to the doctor because by that time the game was up mm. and appearing as a talking frog wouldn't have won the doctor over anymore anyway because the doctor probably would have talked to the solitaire tract if it was a comb it was a bit of weirdness for the sake of weirdness
0: and- No, no, no. i would argue that if, if, if it was the doctor talking to a room or uh, an inanimate object a chair mm. you know that would have been a weirdness the fact it was this weird little frog was uh, detracted more than it added you know, it wasn't weird, it was just painful, I thought.
1: Oh, not mind. I don't mind a bigger frog, because it's sort of quite folkloric, and there there is mm. an element of sort of, you know, the dark fairy tale in it, it's the cottage in the woods, it's the mysterious monster that you can't see, it's the absent mother. Mm. I mean, gosh, you've even got sort of, you know, finding your way through a maze with a sort of a troll figure, mm. leading yourself in with a piece of string, Ariadne-like, but there were elements of probably biting off a little more than it could chew, maybe being a little bit too ambitious than it needed to be.
0: Maybe. Speaking of weirdness, Peter. So the episode starts with the Doctor picking something off the ground and eating it, talking yes. about sheep and then an alpaca farm. Was I the only one who was relieved it was soil? <laughs> it <laughs> crossed my mind. What What is she could doing? <laughs>
1: Junior was saying, oh, What's she eating? And I said, oh, I think it's a leaf, it's crunchy.
0: Uh, <laughs> no, apparently
1: it's soil. <laughs> could, <laughs> could, have
0: been, could have been worse with all the wild atoms. Yeah, I need the licorice balls. I'm, I'm sure someone is looking forward to uh, fan editing Black Sheep into Doctor Who and the Woolly Rebellion.
1: Woolly Rebellion, yeah, yeah. Well, well, it's just a matter of time, Dave. It's just a matter of time.
0: A shaggy frog story, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Again, weird moments, the reverse, the polarity from Yaz. Mm. Nice police training from Yaz earlier, reverse the polarity from Yaz.
1: What's a portal from Yaz? Uh, Well, it's a portal, it's a a door.
0: (laughs) Ryan, a few weird moments for Ryan being a bit sort of rough with poor Hannah, but, you know, the thing about the whole Bad Dad scenario was he was right. Yeah, I actually didn't mind that.
1: I I, I like the fact that, you know, Ryan and Hannah had a bit of sort of negative chemistry and and they had a resolution at the end Mm. and I almost wondered whether they were sort of de-aging Ryan to an extent and sort of trying to put him into a bit more of her peer group. Possibly. But it was, again, something for Ryan to do. The rest of it, hiding from the moths. Apparently you can hide from moths while they flitter by Scooby-Doo-like.
0: But There was a photo on Twitter, Mm. which I saw reposted on Facebook somewhere, with, with another monster that never made the cut. Oh, um, for those scenes or maybe it was an original soul attract or something but the cast posing with this very sort of tall thin spectral thing with a large proboscis or something so
1: oh that sounds quite good
0: yeah I don't know quite where that uh, would have fit in originally but there is obviously something that might be a DVD extra later the story mm. will tell and uh speaking of pickle sandwiches Graham cheese and pickled sardines
1: he's the gift that keeps giving of course perfectly sensible thing
0: it should have been Jelly Babies. It should have been Jelly Babies. He's stealing everyone's thunder from under them. But that, again, that's it. He's just
1: too capable.
0: Well, his scenes with Grace, they were both acting the pants off everyone else again.
1: Yeah, yeah. Lovely, lovely scene. I guess, in a way, it was sort of, sort of supposed to sort of set things up for the episode after that. But
0: Nice payoff for the granddad thing. I thought that was going to be a tearful farewell granddad. I was, I was actually quite pleasantly surprised that they were sort of building that bonding up, but maybe they could have done it a bit earlier and sort of made it sort of play out a bit longer. But, mm. I
1: don't know. Uh, actually, with those ingredients, I think it probably would have been perfectly fine as a series finale, given that the series finale that we're about to come to was no great big build-up. If you're just going to have, you know, the series last episode, mm. uh, it'd be another episode. You know, gripes aside, this would have been a pretty decent one. <sighs>
0: It would have. I mean, again, it was just the execution of the end that let it down for me. Up until that point, I was saying, this is one of the best episodes of the season. Mm. But we've come to it. Shall we talk about the finale? The Battle of vowels and Constinants by Chris Chibnall. Yeah. And I haven't written down who it was directed by.
1: Uh, Jamie Charles again.
0: A.K.A. The Pirated Planet. Mm, because- yes,
1: quite obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I think the title completely unnecessary there was no battle i mean just there were shooty things and shooting but there was no battle
0: it it takes you away i mean the first thing i wrote in my notes was no it doesn't kablam you know the titles of this season have been a bit not misleading but not essentially that descriptive they've had a bit of a quirkiness to them Mm. that i always remember when i was a kid there was a writer came to our school to give us a talk and I can't remember who the lady was, but she was very dismissive of science fiction because she said, Oh, no, it's just, just stories with people with silly names. And I didn't take to that. I thought, No, I'm a <laughs> big fan of science fiction. <laughs> and, and throughout all of New Who, I remember things like, things like Araxacorica and mm-hmm. the Holy Hadrojasic Max Rodenfo, and that type of thing.
1: Banacaphalata.
0: Banacaphalata, And I just can't make the title of this story stick in my head because as you say, it's superfluously convoluted. Elaborate. As are most of the character names. Yes. Paltracchi and Oublier and Andio and Delve. and It's just like... The yucks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If
1: you want a simpler title, why not call it something like Stealer of Worlds? You know, it's, it's just... Uh, it's
0: yeah. Just... Or Graham. Graham. <laughs> Great name. But again, I must be honest, I watched it, and my opinion now is this is the best of... The last three episodes, I think, have been the highlight of the season. It looked great, I thought. The payoff with Graham's character worked really well. I thought Mark Addy was an excellent addition to the cast. I even thought Tim Shaw was far more menacing. So, yeah, I thought it was good, but I'm watching it in terms of someone who'd be watching it with their kids, and with the family, rather than a fan who'd be going... The doctors and met people like this. What about Valva? Yeah, mm. uh, stuff like that.
1: So you sort of find yourself taking it on its own terms, or taking on the terms of a new generation fan who doesn't have that baggage of twenty seven years of yeah.
0: Well, I think we have to. I have a theory about the season, which we'll get to at the end. But I think the problem with I've had is I'm looking at and comparing it to what's gone before. And going, oh, well, mm." there are people who go, oh, it wasn't particularly an epic end. It doesn't need to be an epic end. It just needs to be a nice, nice good story, leave you on a positive note. And let's be really truthfully honest. While it's the end of the season, the real last episode's in three weeks?
1: No. No. I disagree. No. No. Please do. I think think this is the end of. of of the series and the new year's special has to stand alone there's no sense of building up to the next episode there's no cliffhanger as much as you have stepping on points for the series you have stepping off points and i think this is as good a stepping off point as any other and i'm gonna
0: disagree with you on just about everything you've said except for the fact that tim shaw was a little bit more menacing this time around please do excellent because i i feel i talk far too much in these podcasts
1: Yes. Yeah. So so look, um the Graham Arc, if you want to call it that, was pretty satisfactorily resolved and I think resolved correctly and you know, in the absence of anything else that's building, that'll be fine. You know, there's an emotional core and it's Graham and his desire for revenge, he's not spoken about revenge in the past. That that's what jarred for me no, I, I, didn't I agree with that, seem please. to come from anywhere. He just sort of takes the doctor inside and says, I'm gonna kill him. Which is, I, I, all this time, I believe that Graham is, is already the better man. Uh, and it's a really nice speech by the Doctor to say, you know, be the better guy, but he already is.
0: D- but she didn't. Ryan was the one who said that. That's oh, the, my God. The,
1: that's Yeah, well, of course, she says, if, you know, if, if, if you do that, you're it, out. You're out, yeah. yeah. But
0: I, well, I, have a, I have a theory. Put a pin in, I have a theory about that. I did make the note that the Graham arc and the resolution of the Graham arc, I agree, it was... Not particularly well built up to, to this point, but what sold it was the performance.
1: Yeah, but I think, you know, the setup is forced. Mm.
0: Yes, no, I'd, I'd agree with that, but I just enjoyed watching it as someone new, perhaps. I enjoyed watching it and tried take it on the episode's face value, as you said before.
1: Well, it was nice seeing, you know, Bradley Walsh doing things with mm. it. He looks to the side. You can see him sort of sizing things up. Mm. Do I to do it now? You know, doing mm. some calculations, thinking about what his options are and, mm. and, and trying to find his moment. I thought Mark Addy was interesting until he regained his memory and then...
0: It became this week's info dump.
1: Uh, well, there yeah, he was basically there just to sort of keep Yaz yeah, company.
0: Oh, the, oh, these wonderful glass spheres. What are these? Oh, I remember now. Yeah, you spend all the time looking at the glass face, you don't notice the guy hanging on the wall behind you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was dead weird.
1: That's your other Downton Abbey alumnus, by the way, is the elder oh, okay. of the two, Phyllis Logan. This is Hughes, oh, okay. one of
0: the leads. Yeah, great. Uh, apart from the Graham thing, it was a fairly average episode, I thought. Mm-hmm. Apart from the book ending of the Tim Shaw bit and the sort of the closure of Graham's arc with... Grace again. It's more of a bookend than a than an arc, perhaps.
1: Well, they doubled down on the previous episode with Graham and Ryan, and you know, not mm. only does he get the granddad, he gets the fist pump, and he gets an "I love you." Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, and but again, th- th- that felt earned.
1: It was nice that 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 resolution occurred with the two of them together. So they were almost complicit in. Oh well, you know, I shot him in the foot. Don't tell the doctor. <laughs> you know. Yeah. There's an element of trust there.
0: I did like that scene. <laughs> and I, I I don't know if we'll still t- see Tim Shaw again. I, I'm i more open to seeing more of Tim Shaw after this than after the first episode. But it does feel a bit open-ended, a little bit. Mm, we'll see. Well, you know,
1: 3,000 years has made him a bit more calculating and duplicitous. Just hasn't given him any decent footwear.
0: <laughs> open toad sandals not the thing to be using.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no.
0: Second episode with a novelty fly and an ice cube. This one just much bigger than in The Witch Finders and Yippee-ki-yay Robots. <laughs> yes. I like the look. Of this, I don't know
1: where they found that quarry, but it just seemed to go on forever. Mm. And, and in fact, the um, publicity photos maybe sell the story better than the actual story did. The, you know, the, the, the picture of them sort of all walking single file like it is through a battlefield. Mm. And there's the you know, the spaceship graveyard, all lovely, very pulp sci-fi locations. We've just recently joined a Twitter group, Dave, um, <laughs> through Sofageddon, which is a, oh, uh, oh, a, a, se- a 70s sci-fi art thread Mm -hmm. and um i'm getting a great i was getting a great murky chris foss vibe from that hanging Mm. spaceship others have compared it to the arrival have you seen the arrival
0: this is my week for not seeing anything unfortunately Mm. (laughs) season two and three of the avengers this month but that's about it
1: (laughs) yeah it was really nice looking and in the inside nice use of light you know jamie child's very capable director and it's good safe pair of hands so yeah that was good but uh i don't know i think given that we're at this last episode You know, I went into this series thinking, I don't think I'm going to mind the fact that there's no big arc and no big resolution, Mm -hmm. but I I miss it. You know, it doesn't have to be the fate of the universe at stake, but what was at stake?
0: Well, I've made a note. It's been a season of episodes four and five.
1: (laughs) Actually, my note for this was, um, he's finally cracked it. Chibnall has delivered the mid-season cliffhanger.
0: Yes, it feels like that, doesn't it? The whole season's been like a mid-season episode, which is usually written by Chris Chibnall or Mark Gatiss, where the story just has to keep on rolling until Mm -hmm. the next arc episode. And maybe that's why I'm saying I need to watch it as someone who's just coming at it fresh and who's not used to that rhythm in the season. But all the stories in the season just seem to have a bit of a... Yep, and more interesting stuff will happen next week.
1: Yeah, that'll do, that'll do, that'll
0: do. Initially I'd write Prozac, but that's a... It's all—it's all generally good. It's all—it looks lovely. The guest cast do well. Everything seems great, but it's all very workmanlike and traditional. There's no peaks of massively fanish fist pump episodes. But conversely, there's no oh god I hated that I'm not watching this show again episodes. It's sort of been this sort of mid zone consistently throughout. And again, as long as everyone watching it's happy, that's good. It's just I find it really strange.
1: It's a tepid bath. Mm. Hey, so we didn't talk about the Doctor in this episode.
0: Well, it was something I heard on the Doctor Who show. Generally this year I've avoided other podcasts, and I'll see comments on Facebook, but you'd recommend having a listen to a couple of their episodes. Absolutely, yeah. Link's in the show notes. And one of the comments they made, and I think they're actually right, was, was someone actually asked when they wrote in, did anyone know who the new Doctor was when these stories were being written? Because... <laughs> Now, I've seen it also, other people have said it on, on Facebook and groups. It, it just feels like she's pretending she's Matt Smith or David Tennant. Well, not pretending, but...
1: I get a strong Tennant vibe off her. The flared nostrils and wide eyes, definitely.
0: But I think it's, it's not because that's what she's deliberately doing, but because it's the first season of A New Doctor. And so it's written as a cipher doctor almost. And the cipher doctors for New Who are Smith and Tennant. So mm. I, I just get this feeling that Whittaker hasn't had the chance to make the role her own yet, perhaps. And there are glimpses of it in there. Like right at the end, of the last scene where the Doctor turns and talks about, you know, you just got to keep travelling and look with hope and smiles. And you just go, that's Whittaker's Doctor. I know we've, I've complained repeatedly about not feeling that she's grounded or she's too erratic or what have you, but wimbling arms and running around babbling, that was Tennant mm. and Smith's shtick. Mm. And it just rang so true that she's not a cipher, but she's just a bit generic and hasn't had the chance to quite make the role her own and have her metal tested. And it's interesting because the character of Graham is having his metal tested. And I think that's why he's blooming.
1: True. Very true. I mean, Yaz has one episode where everything she thinks she knows is tested dramatically. But, you know, her family history is put under the microscope. A week afterwards, there's no, there's no repercussion. It's just sort of back to the reset. And Ryan, mm. Ryan is defined by his relationship with Graham almost. I mean, I like Ryan, but it's the Ryan-Graham dynamic.
0: Graham's straight man. Yeah. And he is, apart from occasional police procedurals, it's not the fault of the character or the actor. It's the fault of the, the fact that maybe, yeah, three is too many. mm and she becomes the straight woman to the Doctor, but because the Doctor's not as dynamic as Graham, she doesn't have the rebound that Ryan gets. Hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. And maybe it's something that will come right in a second season once everyone's got to grips with the characters. Now, this is something we discussed before it got cut out of the previous show, but I've been listening to some of the audiobooks for the 13th Doctor, and everyone seems a much better defined and much more rounded in those, because in the book you can give a whole chapter to someone and mm. the doctor can can have an argument and the writer has to think about how this new doctor will react and you can put it in your head. And it just seems, I don't know, seems a lot better formed, I've found. Whereas everything here has just been a bit, I don't want to say by the numbers, because it's all been good, but it's been safely good for want of a better expression.
1: I find sort of shades of what Terence Dix's quote about. You You don't have to write a doctor, you just write the doctor and everything else falls into place. This is what happens when you just write the doctor.
0: Yeah, and especially when the first female doctor, maybe there should be a new trail there. I can see the logic of saying, well, we make it the same as the old doctor and the character is continuous regardless of gender. But it just seems a little directionless.
1: Mm. I wonder how you do that. My thought, just as you were saying that, is, well, you know, you've got another female in the TARDIS. What's their relationship as to women? But then I come back to my thought, which is ever since the casting, which is the Doctor is the Doctor. Not Mm. in the Terrence Dix way, but the Doctor is the Doctor. You can't necessarily regenerate the Doctor without an acknowledgement of what the Doctor was before that regeneration. Oh, yes,
0: but in the past, each actor, Mm -hmm. gender non-specific, has brought their own thing to the role
1: Yep. But, but what I'm saying is even though you have a new doctor it's never a brand new doctor somewhere in the writing somewhere in the story somewhere in the look somewhere in the mood there's the ghost of a predecessor in
0: there yeah but by that token you could be channeling a bit of Hartnell a bit of Pertwee a bit of Capaldi you know even a bit of Colin Baker and you'd have a strong empowering, trailblazing female lead like Kathy Gale or Emma Peel. You don't just have to regurgitate the dotty scientist mad woman in a box thing. There was the Sticky Howlett cartoon where they were talking about Colin Baker taking over. Mm. We've written it so you've got Hartnell's irascibility. That's right. Troughton's unpredictability. Pertwee's austerity.
1: Baker's whimsy.
0: (laughs) Baker's whimsy and Davison's stick of celery. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe it's something about blonde doctors with a pleasant, open face. I don't know. Mm. One other thing about the doctor, though, and I did—I noticed it in the last two episodes. Her posture is quite funny. She's all sort of leaned forward. It's just a funny thing I've noticed. Maybe it's sort of characteristic of a doctor leading with her head. I don't know.
1: Maybe the shoes don't fit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: maybe not. <laughs> We will discuss the season more after the last episode for this year, or well, first episode next year. We should say, mm. which will be resolution of oh, the Daleks. Well, there's a lovely trailer on the BBC website, which leaves it very open ended as to who the monsters are. Everyone's saying it's the Daleks.
1: Twitter wags are having a field day.
0: I think the most obvious solution is probably correct. That seems to mm-hmm. be how the season is running. In the back of my mind, I have this wee wondering, because it's not been expressly said, it's just the most dangerous creature singular in the universe. Are we being led up the garden path and it's something else? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, again, Twitter wags having a field day pasting in pictures of Coquellion or cocky looking and the like. <laughs> Who knows?
0: I do wonder if it's like The Prisoner, because in the trailer they go... But Doctor, this monster must have a name. And the Doctor just gives a look and flashing up on the screens are the words Doctor Who. So maybe the tomb opens and, hello, I'm Tom Baker. <laughs> a caretaker. Mm.
1: Looking forward to it anyway. And we've got, you know, we've got a couple of weeks before it all comes around. The Feast of Stephen.
0: Infinite plum pudding for everybody. Oh,
1: yes, yes. John. <laughs> you obviously know how Christmas goes in, in this household. Definitely.
0: <laughs> We will be back, dear listener. We will probably have a special guest with us as we yes. we probably dissect the new season in a bit more depth, maybe.
1: And we review resolution.
0: Feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what you thought of season 11. Tell us we're wrong. Tell us we're right.
1: Yeah, we'd love to read some of your opinions in the podcast.
0: Just drop us a line on our Facebook page, or you can send any emails to soforgeddon at gmail.com.
1: Or you can tweet us at soforgeddon.
0: And until then.
1: It's a very Merry Christmas from me.
0: And a Merry Christmas to all you at home from me. <laughs> Good, Good
1: night. Good night.